Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Spider-Man, No Way Home. I'm Alex. Uh, I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And as you probably figured out, we're going to be getting into it on Spider-Man No Way Home, which is only in theaters. The spoilers are free. The spoilers are free. Seriously, if you haven't seen the movie already, first of all, stay safe. Lots of stuff going on there. Uh, But if you have seen it, you can listen to this podcast. If you haven't but want spoilers, you can listen to this podcast. If you have it to don't yeah. want spoilers, turn off this podcast and wait until it's on Disney what? Plus or wherever it's going in a couple of months' time uh, because you aren't going to want to hear any wow. of this. But, Alex, really tell people how to live their lives. Well, and you know well, what? What's nice, Alex, is you have to feel good because you got to see it earlier before things got as scary. You know what I mean? That had to feel nice, right? Oh, you mean, yeah, you're saying I, I saw it Monday. At a press right. screening. It was great. They sent a note beforehand. They were like, hey, just so you know, everybody has to have this vaccination status. Um, we're going to be checking really thoroughly. And I was like, oh, great. That really is a little load off because I'm triple vaccinated, but I'm still, you know, a little worried about it. Got to the theater. There's signs everywhere at the AMC being like, hey, get your ID out. Get your Excelsior pass out. We're going to check them. Walked right up. Had everything out. Was standing there. And they're like, go on in. Nobody checked. Uh. Nobody checked. Fuck. Nice. What a great tie-in that it's the Excelsior pack. <laughs> Excelsior. Yeah. That was the thing. They were asking how, for my nerd card. How about yeah. you? How about you, Justin? What was your... Uh... I found the heightened risk of um, coronavirus really made me feel like Peter Parker, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, I was, the stakes were high for me. The stakes were high for him. What, what sucked is I, like... I had some like wiggle room in my schedule, so I could, I, and I picked the screening that was the least packed. But then it ended up selling out, and I I was very sketched out by by the start of the movie. You were very, you were very sketched out and worried. How much popcorn and candy did you eat with your mask off anyway? No, I or did you, or I did kept... you push the curdles through the mask? <laughs> like very meticulously. Well, so what's great is the Twizzler action, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like I use it as a straw, <laughs> as you should. Slide it, slide yeah, it by the it's mask. It's just kind of, you know, underneath. So, uh, uh mask stayed a, on. Here's a good hack just take your mask and dip it in the fake butter and then put it on your face. Oh, oh, just as go. good. Just I as do good. that I, even when I'm not going to the movie theater. Yeah. That's how I leave my house. Yeah. Old Buttermouth, Buttermouth yeah. is here. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't even have a mask. I have one of those things that uh, horses put on to eat oats. Yeah. Uh, but I fill <laughs> it with snow caps and raisinets. Gross. Nothing yeah. like eating your way <laughs> through a feedback. <laughs> well, great. Now that we've established how we saw the movie, let's get into broad strokes and talk about just generally we felt about it. I think I don't know how much we've talked about it on this podcast. We've certainly talked about it on our live show quite a bit. I know I was. To be honest, like a little down on the movie going up to it where it felt like 
this is going to be so many villains. This is going to be so overstuffed. I don't know how into the multiverse stuff I am because that can get a little over the top and complicated. And I'll tell you what, I came out loving this movie. I thought it was great. How did you guys feel about it? Justin, why don't you go ahead? Wow, Pete waiting for third. Uh Just so so you know, listeners, this is a game of chicken we're playing because we haven't spoken to each other about this movie at all. So one of us could come out with a wild take that none of us see coming. Um, I, I liked it a lot as well. I thought for a movie that had so much going on, they were able to balance it pretty well and to keep it pinned on... On Tom Holland, I have a couple points I was, like, surprised and, like, maybe, like, oh, that was sort of played weird. But in general, I thought they really put together a a good movie. Yeah, I'll just mention on the same note before we get to whatever Pete's mystery take is. He's going to be like, I saw that movie about the carnival. What? (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree with you. That was the thing that really sold the movie for me is I was worried that in the mix of everything that's going on, not just the villains, now that we can talk about it, the three Spider-Men being there as well, that Tom Holland would get completely lost in the mix. Zendaya and uh, Jacob Batalon, who plays Ned, would also get lost in the mix. But they really kept it focused on that. And I think to the benefit of the movie, because that gave it a really strong emotional arc over the course of the two and a half hours. Yeah. Tom Holland was great. And there were some really surprising, really positive and different things about Spider-Man that felt like... Yes, there's a stunt aspect to everything that's going on here, but ultimately bringing in Andrew, bringing in Toby, that is more in support of Tom Holland's arc and what it's doing for him, even though there's some really good emotional payoffs for them, versus it just being there to be like spectacle, spectacle, you know? And I thought that was good. So, Pete, over to you. Uh, I, I, I I very much uh, enjoyed it uh, right up until the end. Uh, when he chickens out uh, at the oh very God. end, <laughs> I was furious. Oh, oh, okay, hold on, hold on. You're talking about the MJ chicken out, not killing Green Goblin chicken out. Yeah, you right? wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The okay. MJ chicken out. Okay. I, I we're going to have a real problem if you're like, he should have killed Green <laughs> Goblin, just <laughs> tore him in half, blood everywhere. I mean, I was a little disappointed how everybody was like, oh, old man Green Goblin is lost. Let's all help him. I was like, he's fucking slow playing, you assholes. Come on. Well, I mean, there's... It's interesting you, that you were bothered by the engine. I mean, we should talk about that later on because it's, there's a lot to talk about. I've been about waiting leading up to for them to get together and finally get together uh, for a moment and then it's immediately taken away from us. For one moment in time? Is that how long you would say? The, no, kind of I the wasn't going to say that. I was last, not going to say that, no. Yeah. Would you have wanted to see them together for one more day, Pete? Oh, man, this is a fun <laughs> bit. I will I'm say, having I, a great time. I, there was a moment in the movie where I was like, Mephisto's coming up. I'm going to show up. Oh, I know. This very much <laughs> was like, really? I was like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Because they kept showing like, like little devil stuff. Like they had like Peter Parker's the devil and stuff. I was like, don't. Don't do that. Were you really? What point was it, Justin, that you felt that? I'm was trying to remember. Not in a serious when, way. It, it was, was when just, Al Pacino came in halfway through and he was like, yeah. uh, who do you think well, I am? Here's the thing. Al Pacino walked into the movie theater and uh, was like, I'm the devil. I, I'm sitting in J10. Where's my seat? And I was like, okay, relax. Al. And he had butter all over his mask. As you <laughs> should. Weirdo. If you're going to go movie theater, dip your mask. I'm in seat H for who I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, now, across the board, let's talk, maybe talk generally real quick. Like this, uh, the movie was, this mo- these movies are for hardcore fans at this point. Can you imagine walking into this movie not knowing anything? Because <laughs> like, I just don't even, they didn't even give you time to get caught up. Because I think that would have made the movie super unwieldy mm-hmm. if they explained everything. But like when we saw the other Spider Man, it was like, nope, these guys are just here. It wasn't hey, like, did you Here's guys the deal theater go nuts for every kind of like every time? Like, yeah, I was like, Charlie. we all love Andrew Garfield this much. Like, no, my theater went nuts twice, uh, three times. Matt Murdock, yep, uh, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, yeah, uh, I was happy I, about the Matt Murdock. Yes, uh, my theater went nuts when uh, Dumb E, the little robot arm guy that Tommy Stark made, came in, yeah. and that was yeah. it. Otherwise, nothing. Otherwise, nothing. <laughs> no reaction to anything. Wow, else. Well, you, you saw the special screening for all MIT graduates that were mm-hmm. there for the, uh, the, the hype robots. about MIT. Yeah. As soon as they uh, got to the science stuff, when the Green Goblin went nuts about halfway through, they were like, "I'm not interested anymore," and they left. Oof. It was so just smart. me in the theater. Smart. I imagine you in a room full of other robot arm guys <laughs> watching the movie. Just you and like 50 arms. Yeah. I fi- I tell you what, I finally turned into Zalbin where like in every other Marvel movie I've been in, I've been trying to be nice to people as they were leaving, you know, being like, hey, there's more that, you know, that's, the movie's not over yet. This one, I was like, if you guys uh, at this point, if you don't know to stay for the whole thing, I can't I, do anything. I for got you. even more annoyed about it, frankly, like at being at a critic screening where you have to watch the whole movie to review the movie, which is the point of going yeah. to the critic screening. You all know this, the, even with the general audience. And I do want to get back to the point that Justin was making, because I think. Yes, we're a decade into this. It's your own fault if you're leaving. You should know. But at the same time, people don't care that much. They're like, eh, whatever. It's just going to be a couple of quick scenes at the end. It's fine. I'll catch it. I'll don't catch it on care? YouTube or something. Yeah. People yeah. will come into casually and stuff. But if you're who going into care? a thing where it's a room full of critics who need to understand this stuff to write about stuff, people still left. Like, as soon as the movie ended, they're like, nah, I'm out of here. I'm good. Very strange. But let's talk about that a little deeper because I do think that's an interesting point. And I... I disagree a little bit with this one because what I think they did really well in this movie beyond the Tom Holland of it all that really made me appreciate it is, again, they were using most of these things in service of what was happening in the movie. They definitely don't get you caught up, say, as much as like I recently rewatched the Tobey Maguire trilogy. There's always a recap in the opening credits of everything that happened, which is obviously very helpful. Here we just got a recap of the end of Far From Home, where Tom Holland Spidey is revealed to the entire world, accused of killing Mysterio, and then we're right in it. But I think all of these things, all you really need to understand is Tobey Maguire is another Spider-Man. He's a Peter Parker from another dimension. Andrew Garfield is another Spider-Man from another dimension. And there are a lot of things where you can look at it and be like, I think that was a reference to something that I don't quite get. But for the most part, again, I think the fact that they keep barreling past those very fun moments for hardcore fans, all those fan service moments, and getting back to what does it mean for Tom Holland's Peter, that's the thing that makes the movie work. Yeah, and I think that's right, and it does work, but I just, it's just wild to have a movie and a whole, like, franchise or, like, whatever, a larger than a franchise would be, because that's what this really is, the Marvel Cinematic Universe ongoing uh, uh, consideration. Um, It... 
it is like the, the here's a good example. I think the Andrew Garfield saving MJ, mm-hmm. which I oh. thought was I I literally very cried emotional, that Me too. Yeah, very emotional. So good. <laughs> if you didn't know that movie, you wouldn't. I don't think you could pull that emotional moment from the references. I I disagree. Uh, and well, I think if you read a, the comics, you would know it. You don't. But if you, to see if you movie. came in and just if you came in and just watched this right. movie and had seen the other two, you, Tom you're Holland a little Spider-Man. baby, right? You're bored outside I the got AMC you. Lincoln Square. You wake up, go ga ga ga, one ticket for Spider-Man: No Way Home in IMAX, yeah. and you go in. Very. What was that accent? Up. That was a baby accent. It's a baby yeah, accent. It seemed baby like accent. it was like a little ga ga ga. In any case. That all aside, I do think they set it up like Andrew Garfield Spider-Man talks about it. He says, I lost my Gwen. She died in my arms. I couldn't save her. So there's the level of that scene working where he saves MJ. He's crying. And I think you if you're smart enough, you can intuit and put two and two together. He saved this other Spider-Man's girlfriend. That's why he's crying. It's not going to mean as much to you as a moment. But I do think you will get it in terms of the plot. But then there's the deeper level of, yes, if we do know the comics and do even have a passing familiarity with the movies, of course we know. And then there's the even deeper level of, I don't understand these people, but the hardcore amazing Spider-Man fans who know they shot it in exactly the same way as Gwen Stacy falling in Amazing Spider-Man uh, 2, right? 2, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the electric because because to me, uh, we'll remove that and post it. To me, um, you, I don't think it may, it Matt means as much unless you know that it is that exact same thing, and he got to do the save save the, what's, what's, the girl. What's really killing me is the fact that we're talking about for a lot of this movie, we're talking about love, and the Spider Men's are all go, sharing what they went through for love, and Peter are you Parker towards, this finally. Is my big thing. Why didn't the three Spider Men? Kiss. Is that what you're about to say? No, yeah. no. But yeah. I really Pete's, wanted the three of them to point at each other a little bit they like the did. meme. Like, come on, have a they little bit. They did do that. Pete, they did that when they were in the lab. They did the pointing meme. That uh, was not as... I thought it, I agree so with I wanted, I wanted they should like have hit a, it harder. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought it was going to be a bigger. I think they barely harder. did it. Yeah, yeah, they barely. Come on, it could have been. It needed to be on the street. Have a little street. fun with it. Anyways, uh, here's I what. I, here's not, can not, I? No, no, no. I just. I'm going to let you go in a second. I just think it's very funny that Justin's like. How could anybody get this thing that's going on with Andrew Garfield that was set up in the movie? Also, they should have gone harder on the pointing meme that only people on the internet know. Yep. Well, uh, okay. So that, anyway. that's a small. That's an. Um, there's a huge emotional moment that yeah. made me tear up. But I feel bad for the person that is like, why is this per- guy next to me crying? Because they don't understand <laughs> the moment. A. B. Have it, referencing the Spider-Man meme. People know more about the Spider-Man meme than Amazing Spider-Man Two. I cried at the, when they pointed at each other. I straight up cried. I started. Yeah, what if, if they would have lined it up better? But <laughs> they need to line it up. Yeah, they need to line it up. Uh but what was really killing me is the fact that, you know, they're talking about love. You know, they have these amazing moments on the roof and she's like, you know, you better come and get me. And he doesn't even try. And she might as well have been wearing a neon necklace that says, ask me about my necklace. And the <laughs> fucking guy just walks out it, like I, what are I hear you, you doing? P, I hear you. Do you love or not, bro? Are you in love with MJ or not? You're screaming unnecessarily. Not not to call this out on the podcast. Do you have like a little thing up there where you can see how much you're peaking right now? (laughs) Yes. And I'm sorry for everybody's people listening at home. I'm just very worked up by the fact that 
he had love and just so casually walked out oh, the door was... without it. But but Pete, the whole point of the movie was yeah, I want he... him to get hit by a truck and die. I wow. don't want him in the next movie. I don't Jesus. want anything to do with him anymore. I was so upset, so heartbroken. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Here, here's what we're doing. Let me let me try to explain it to you in the way that I took it in. The whole movie was about his guilt and how he's affected um, his friends around him and hurt their lives. And they they ride with him. They're like, no, I'm, I wouldn't change anything. We hear that line from them a couple times throughout the course of the movie. Um, Aunt May dies. He feels because of him. Horrible he feels decision. ultimate guilt. He feels ultimate guilt. You should there. never and kill then, off Marissa Tomei. I don't care what movie it is. Isn't that what happened in My Cousin Vinny? Same thing, right? She got killed with a goblin glider. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy how they justified it when it came out of nowhere. He's like, the two youths, <laughs> uh, the glider youths. Uh, no, but what I'm saying is when he gets to that moment in the donut shop, uh, shout out to um, Greenpoint where that donut shop he is right now. Peter Alex Pan. Go there. Yeah. Peter Pan. That's great. Uh, Been there many times. He sees them. He sees that they are happy. They're they are, not they, happy. They're casual. They, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not happy. No, no. Justin they're is saying casual. that MJ and Ned are happy. I know yes. who he's talking about. And no, they are not. They are pleasant. They are not happy. They're not skipping. They're not jumping around in excitement. They're kind <laughs> of just fucking going about their daily lives. Pete, when you're happy on a regular basis, are you skipping? Yep. You're always skipping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can Big picture indicator. that so clearly in my mind. <laughs> uh, Pete's skipping right now on this podcast. He's so happy to be talking Spidey. Uh, but they are happy enough. And he's like, I can't do this to them again. And so he is like, this is a classic Spider-Man thing to do. He takes the L. He takes the hurt because he he thinks that his friends are happy enough without him. So he's going to go and, and live his life in a different way. And I got to say, they finally found a way to do three Spider-Man movies and then reboot the franchise without changing actors, which <laughs> is literally what they did. In a way, I was like, I can't believe they went this hard where he is now. Nobody knows who he is. He has no relationships with anyone. And he's starting over as a new Spider-Man. But here's the thing, the little addendum that I'll throw there is we already know that they're working on a fourth Tom Holland movie, whether that actually happens or not. I think a lot of that is up to how much Sony is going to screw up this massive win that they've had over the course of this weekend. As we know from the past, they tend to do that a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But that said, I think they're going to bring back Zendaya. They love Zendaya. They're going to bring back Jacob Batalon. They love him. And there is the note that he has their stuff in his apartment, right? Like, I think he still has a picture of them, if I remember correctly. And he definitely has the Emperor Palpatine yeah, from the Lego Death Star. So he is holding on to the memory of them, even if he sees... No, I can't put them back in this life. They're going to MIT. They're going to be happy. That's what he thinks. And to Justin's point, I think that is a very classic Spider-Man thing of saying, it's all on me. If I bring myself into this, it's going to ruin it. He's wrong. And I think we'll find out in the next movie that he's wrong as he does try to win MJ back. Because that's that moment of like... What I thought was so wonderful about that moment... I I got to go through a whole other movie of them not to fucking together... I thought, frankly, it was so romantic that you have the two of them, and specifically MJ is like, clearly, who is this guy? I feel something about this guy, but I've never met him before. And yeah. they're, 
she's not going to break through the spell. She's not going to break the spell because then you need to deal with the ramifications of, oops, now all of these villains are coming back into the multiverse or whatever's going to happen. Instead, having that moment where they do recognize each other and they do have that connection and they don't understand why, or at least she doesn't, I thought was so beautiful and so romantic and wonderful. And then you're going to get this Coward. slow burn of them getting back together. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> you're, but now we get a whole, maybe you get a whole second romance. It's like how much you loved in the comics when Sp- Peter Parker and MJ got to get back together after Mephisto ended their relationship. Um, and you got to see that romance fall in love all over again. That's ro- classic romantic comedy rules. Yes. Well, now that we've talked about the very end last scene of the movie or the second to last scene of the movie, uh, why don't we jump back and talk about the rest of it? What do you guys think? I think that's a great idea. Fine. So let's talk about a bunch of different elements here. We start off in this whole section dealing with the ramifications of what happened with Far From Home, with the murder. Uh, The big thing I think that happens there is beyond sort of recapping everything and breaking down who Spider-Man is and MJ and Ned and Aunt May uh, and then moving in with Happy, uh, very fun, is we get to, as you mentioned, re-meet Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox in a brief little scene. Very fun. So well handled. The fact that it was at the beginning of the movie and caught us completely off guard. Everyone went nuts in the theater. Great. The fact that we get to see him use his Daredevil powers. Awesome. Like, I feel like that scene was perfect. I loved every bit of it. The fact that we're going to maybe this is a good setup for him to be a major character in the Echo miniseries uh, on Disney Plus is very cool. That would make a lot of sense with the Kingpin being the villain. Um, Now that probably we don't know that for sure yet. And or maybe coming back around for future Spider-Man, uh, seeing a movie where um, it's Tom Holland as Spidey completely without any connections, just like fighting crime with Daredevil. Hell yes. Pete. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, the the Daredevil of it all was amazing. The catching the brick was just so badass. And the how did you do that moment was really, very really good lawyer. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Line. yeah. That's a good joke. Yeah, I mean it was uh it was great. Um yeah, I mean I I I loved uh, every every second of that. I got to ask you a question though, Pete. How did you feel about the fact that you had Charlie Cox as Daredevil, Matt Murdock? In a scene with John Favreau, but he's playing Happy Hogan. He wasn't fo- in the scene. Not Yes, he was. He was at the table, not Foggy Nelson like he did in the 2003 Daredevil movie. Was uh, he so, there? Because I really wanted some kind of like daredevil look at him. That's what know. I'm saying. It would have overloaded the scene. Yeah, I know why they didn't do like, it. Yeah. But there's a little not bit. Not necessary. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of fan service or that the just, fans don't he, want. Put, he puts like, you know, uh, he hands him like honey for his drink and he puts cat, you know, like mustard in there. I mean, come on. Is that man. a joke from the 2003 daredevil movie? Oh, yeah, it is. Wow. <laughs> still yeah, fresh. Still fresh right here. Daredevil heads really lighten up for that one, I'm sure. Well, you stayed for the third post credit scene where um, Happy says, need a legal assistant to Matt Murdock? That, there it is. You should talk to this. There was, uh, really if you want to see the pointing thing, there was the fourth end credit scene where Eldon Henson from the Daredevil uh, TV show meets up with John Favreau as Happy Hogan, and they're just pointing at each other, and they're doing the pointing. <laughs> yeah. oh, the Foggy meme. Yeah, the Foggy meme. Yeah, Everybody knows the Foggy meme. Foggy meme, yeah. The Foggy meme. That was a very fun scene, though. That was a very fun introduction, and I just, I mean, this is ridiculous to laud an enormous co- corporation for a good job with coordination, but 
we've had this we've seen the schedule has been so off because of covid with the tv shows with the movies and everything to get kingpin in hawkeye on wednesday and then charlie cox as daredevil on friday that was just a great one two punch and to your oh, point oh, yes kingpin Kingpin oh. is the bad guy in Hawkeye. Uh, I now feel like maybe we will get an end credit scene in Hawkeye. Right, because Spidey swung over Rockefeller Plaza and like it was just kind of like a weirdly kind of like scene where it was like, oh, there's all this stuff going down below, but we don't see it. So, I'm so you think we're going to see Spidey swing over while the two Hawkeyes are fighting the tracksuit mafia? I guess. The... <laughs> The only question I have about that, is, and I'm sure there's an explainer out there somewhere, but in terms of the timeline and not to get too in the weeds here, in Hawkeye, Yelena tells Kate, she says, I'm really looking forward to seeing the new, the new Statue, of, Statue Liberty. of Liberty. That's at Christmas. Like, that's two days before Christmas, right? But they wreck the Statue of Liberty back in, like, November or something like that. Uh Oh, is right? that when that when it was? Because I feel they like... they recognize Doctor Strange. He's sitting he's sitting in the donut shop, and the guy's like, "Take down the Halloween decorations. It's November," mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense with the college acceptance letter timeline, which is definitely way too in the weeds. Because you get early acceptance in December, and you can apply to one college. Everything else is in the fall. I guess we'll just have to assume it's because of the blip and the blip threw everything off. But that yeah, really bothered me the, the entire movie of, in terms the of the blip timeline. Of it. But it's no big deal. But just uh, forgetting about the uh, college acceptance letters. It's all you've talked about since you saw the movie, Alex. (laughs) It's the college acceptance. Because that's like, what would you call it? It's not an Easter egg because it's joyless. So what would you call that? (laughs) (laughs) Find it like a hard piece of dog poop or something? Uh, Yeah, it's like uh, it's a poop egg. I don't know. <laughs> you open up an egg and you're like, well, there's poop inside. Oh, How did that happen? Poop inside. The Easter Bunny hates me. Anyway, that was bothering me a little bit in terms of the timeline. But the Yelena thing, I don't think it really matters. It's fine. Uh, I, we learned recently, I don't know if you guys read this article, but there was an interview with the creators of Hawkeye, I think, where Marvel was like, uh, yeah, you can use Elena. We're not going to tell you what's happening in the Black Widow movie. Oh, also, we're going to do a post credit sequence. Don't worry about it. And so the post credit sequence in Black Widow, I think the showrunner knew about it, but wasn't allowed to tell any of his writers about what was going on. And it's all these things where, like, of course these things don't 100% match up. Just tell your writers what's happening. So Uh, There was uh, uh, fun plugs for the Rogers musical in this as well as in Hawkeye. So So I do like the overall coordination of the world. I have questions about the timeline. Also, who cares? It doesn't matter. That's the right answer. Uh, But we do start with the whole murder thing, but that leads very nicely into the sequence uh, where uh, we refocus on the school. We refocus on the fame of Spider-Man. We get to see the teachers very briefly. Loved Hannibal Burris being a conspiracy theorist. Come on, Hannibal. That was great. Great. Uh, And Martin Starr, also very funny. JB Smooth back. It was great. It was hilarious. The teacher bit, the whole kind of like, uh, just kind of like a homage to him was nice. The little trophy case thing was cool. (laughs) It was very cool. Yes, I like that. I like the whole thing about if you want to crawl around on the ceiling. Just a funny bit across the board. And then the whole college acceptance thing. I know I was just complaining about the timeline of it. But that really does give a really good weight to senior year because that's one of the big things. And I, I like that. I like that as an also, emotional hook. It was weird though, the way they were like opening up their letter, not knowing it was a no 
if it's a no, it's a thin envelope because there's no brochure that says welcome. I don't know why you acted like you think you got in. They don't. If it's a yes, it's a bigger envelope. The other thing is, and mind you, I got into college a while ago. Sure we did, did it all on computers. <laughs> like I got the letter much later. Like we just checked online and we were constantly refreshing the site to find out whether we had got it in or not. I can't imagine that everybody is actually waiting for letters at this point in time. Right. Uh, Wouldn't you guys I, do? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I was letters, but I don't. Well, you had it uh, brought by a, a man on a pony, right? Exactly right. Man on a pony. Wow. Yeah, by, uh, I grew up in a pony society, <laughs> sort of a circus man. He stood by his little well where he was yeah. wishing. Uh, my, with my the, weak teeth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I got an owl. Uh, I don't know if people, I don't know oh, if they still do owls. owls. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, nice. Great. Uh, wow, we so spent, I'm, what, 10% of the, the Spidey podcast talking about college acceptance? So yeah. that's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, Cool, very cool. That's what the people want. Uh, but I agree. The, this, this, the emotional drive of all this stuff. They did a good job of just showing it and not having Spidey be like, "I really gotta help my friends do better," or like something. Like it was just happening, and you could see it was stressing him out. Tom Holland is great at being a good hero who can have fun and fight these villains, and also having that layer of stress that Spidey always has mm-hmm. <laughs> boiling right underneath the surface. So He's we gotta talk it. about this whole like. Uh, which, uh, you know, like, uh, what was the Halloween lights that looked like a witch with a goatee that was supposed to be foreshadowing for Dr. Strange. All right, go ahead, Pete. Well, I mean, either, <laughs> either have like a couple of them that were going to be witches and then have a couple of vampires with goatees, you know what I mean? But having the, like, I don't know that I was just like, wow, that is a crazy looking witch. Okay. Hey guys. All right. I got bad news. Between college acceptance and your <laughs> witch-like complaints, we've lost their track of what criticizing a movie is. <laughs> we don't. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I do <laughs> think the donuts, though, the donuts weren't thick enough. Maybe the donuts, donuts were great. The donuts maybe were great. the best thing though about the college acceptance letter thing and that whole arc was hold on was leading up to the punchline of Doctor Strange casting the spell and then being like, well, of course you already called them and then came here. Yes, that and was fun. Be, just because I don't know about you, I was in the exact same place as Tom Holland. You're trained to be like, yes, go to a wizard first to get help for this thing. And the fact that there is an actual real world solution to this was so funny and so real. And like you've been talking about this entire time, Justin, very true to Spider-Man where he's always yeah. like, oh, this is a really complicated solution to this thing when often there's a much easier one that everyone around him could very easily point out. Uh, and I also just liked the, the another thing that I was a little worried about going in here was Doctor Strange mixing magic and Spider-Man. It's something that happens in the comics sometimes, but it, it feels like it could be an odd fit in the movie since he's been so technology-based up until now. But I think, again, it really worked because it was very supportive of Spider-Man's art. Well, I really was thinking, like, you're really going to bother Doctor Strange with, like, college acceptance? Like, this is insane. But then the whole 
whole Wong of it all where he was like, I'm going to do this because Wong, it turns out Wong is a source of Supreme, which is smart. And I'm glad to hear that. Um, but he's like, well, while Wong's gone, I'm bored. All right, fine, Peter Parker, let's get into a crazy adventure. I, w- I thought that finally worked. I was kind of like, why are you bothering the Sorcerer Supreme with this kind of college thing that you're dealing with? But I thought it really worked once we saw kind of long. So I went from being skeptical to like, oh, this is fun. The other thing that I thought was very nice about that is it sort of retroactively explains what Wong is doing in Shang-Chi because he comes in and he's very prescriptive in terms of, okay, here's what's going on. And I'm going to explain this to you at the end of the movie, Uh, forgetting even about the abomination fight, but he's the one who's on point there, which I'm sure was for several reasons. But thinking back on it now, if he was the Sorcerer Supreme because Strange blipped out, that's why he was doing that. So yeah. that was a nice little follow-up on there, I thought. Yeah, definitely. And just in general, I thought Doctor Strange was was good in the movie. He gets worked by Spidey a bunch of times. Yeah, uh, he over does. Over the course of it, um, which I thought was fun to have him lose a lot. Uh, uh, even just, like, the fact that, like, uh, the Spidey sense was keeping the box away from Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is like, how is this happening? Was really a very cool moment. I was... Uh, I felt like, uh, you know, Ben Cumberbatch being frustrated and kind of outmathed by uh, Peter Parker was very cool. cool. What did you uh, what did you think about the wig or hair that Doctor Strange was wearing? Because it looked very stiff and weird to me. And particularly with the end credit scene, which looked a lot more natural, um, it stood out even more. Did you guys feel the same way? Was that also I didn't a huge notice problem it. for you in the movie? No, I didn't yeah. notice it at all. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I threw a fit. I made him stop the movie okay. for the rest of the theater, and I was like, loosen his hair up. They were like, sir, we don't do that here. We're, we're a movie <laughs> yeah. theater. We just show uh, the- I have a, loosen I have a his follow-up hair? question. Do you think Doctor Strange actually knows what Scooby-Doo is and what they do? Because whatever he was asking them to do was not Scooby-Doo stuff, necessarily. Um. Like I mystery? think it was just a kind of a jab at the fact that they're uh, younger kids, and he was like, "You guys I are guess kind so. of like a like cartoon. solve a mystery, track down." Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. I retract that one. Wow! Oh, wow! Oh, I love that. I'll <laughs> that out. Um, but if we want to talk, you're talking the hairstyle um, differences between the movie and the end credits. How about that that final post credit scene? It being a trailer essentially for the Doctor Strange movie. Well, hold on. Let's hold off. Let's talk about the post. You brought it up. I yeah. know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but let's hold off. Let's hold off. We'll talk about the post credits at the end of the podcast because mm. they point Weird. to a lot of things going forward, and there's a lot of explanation that's necessary there. Uh, but as we're talking through the Doctor Strange stuff, then we get all of these different villains who come back from the various different movies. Um, obviously, this is a huge section of the movie but what do we think about this what did you what jumped out of you in you get doc ock you get green goblin you got electro you got lizard is already there sandman tons of stuff going on um thomas hayden church coming back huge uh i thought when we didn't see his actual face for the whole movie i was like what they couldn't get him yeah he got his voice they couldn't get his face and then we see him at the end it was cool um yeah. i liked that he was sort of with spidey for a, the early bit and then like Uh, went a little bit villainy, Mm -hmm. very true to the character. And he was like the smallest role, basically, um, of all of them. I thought Willem Dafoe crushed it. Like, Mm -hmm. he was scary. He was scary at points. Dude, his face after he was getting punched and he liked it, that was some fucking creepy shit. The camera was so close to him. 
and he he's just acting with every muscle in his face. It, it, I thought his performance was right up there with Tom Holland is my two favorite in the movie. Uh, also, the you know speaking of like similar shots. When you get like him walking away from his goblin thing, like Peter Parker walked away from his costume, that was like a cool goblin. Uh, no more. Yeah, that goblin was pretty no cool. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to very briefly say on Thomas Hayden Church, I'm right there with you in terms of I thought ah, it's too bad they couldn't get him, but I think they did a nice job of they probably couldn't shoot with him, but figure out a way to bring him at the end, which I thought was great. Same thing with Rice Ethan's for the lizard. Um, get him to provide the voice, have him be CGI most of the time, though that logically made a little more sense there. Um, but both of them are good. The Sandman arc, and this is only because I very recently watched Spider-Man 3, didn't quite match up uh, the way that it did in the movie. Like, he's a little more soulful. He's a little more, I just want my daughter back, is pretty much his whole character. That's and he hits deal, that though. a little bit. He said but, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah but did. there's some things in the movie that are like, eh, if you just want your daughter back, what are you doing right now, buddy? I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But it was still fun. Totally uh, agree with you with Willem Dafoe. And one of my big takeaways there is I felt like Green Goblin is, of course, in terms of the comics and also in terms of the first Spider-Man movie and in terms of just general lore, the arch enemy of Spider-Man. I thought this was such a perfect way to bring Green Goblin into the MCU without having to overload it with a bunch of Oscorp and Harry Osborn yeah. stuff and Norman Osborn stuff. You do it, you nail it, and you move on to whatever the next thing is. Uh, I want to uh, say, like, the having all the kind of villains in the same room kind of, like, quipping back and forth and stuff was really a lot of fun. Like, the whole bit about being like, man, you got to be careful what you fall into, where they were just talking about, like, how they yeah. became villains. Well, I fell into this. Well, I fell into that. Just hysterical. And then when MJ was like, you are literally in a wizard's basement was just fun. Wizard's I mean, dungeon. Dungeon. Wizard's dungeon. Yeah, sorry, yes, sorry. Very funny line. Yeah. Uh, very fun. And another thing to call out, because I think um, Electro didn't get too much to do in this movie either. Oh, really? Um, I thought I, he had a lot. I, 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 we didn't get into his story or anything sure. at all. It was just like, uh, is what I mean. But the scene where he was like, when you took off your mask, I thought you were going to be black. I thought oh, that was, that like, was super great. fun. And a, a scene that I, I was also Marvel, shout I out to Miles normally Morales. do. 100%. And it, it was cool. I, I yeah. liked that. that was I, really I actually thought. I'm trying to think about how to do this without puns, but I'll just go for it. They really amped up his role from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Sorry. Uh, But I think, like, he was totally ridiculously over the top and hamming it up as much as possible in the Amazing Spider-Man movie. Here... Part of it is the sound, like just the reverb they gave his voice throughout the entire thing. Um, But just Jamie Foxx letting him be himself instead of some weird blue electrical thing like he was in the Amazing Spider-Man movie. He was good. Like he was the villain just below Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin who was just going for it. He's the one who's like, I'm evil. I want to be evil. I want to suck all the power in the world. Let's do this. And I really enjoyed his performance uh, a lot while I was watching him. Yeah, I also like the little uh, like jab they took. Like, wow, you're just like super Jack now. Nobody's going to say anything. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the the other village just to talk through them. Uh, let's we mentioned the lizard. Uh, very fun. A yeah. little bit of a side shout out to El- Elliot Kalin's very famous paddle with is it Sauron? Where Spider Man's like, why why do you want to turn everybody? Into dinosaurs, you could cure cancer. He's like, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to make everybody into dinosaurs. And that was kind of the lizard's arc. Every time there was something, he's like, I want to make lizards. Let's yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah. Very fun. Uh, and what did you think about Alfred Molina's Doc Ock coming back? 
I thought they paid a nice uh, homage to the character being like someone that Peter Parker really liked and connected with before the, his suit went haywire. Um, and uh, the fact that he ends up being sort of a hero at the end was really cool. Though it did highlight the fact that like, oh, right, we're saying his octopus arms are evil and they've taken over his human brain. That's weird. But that is what the movie did. That's what they did. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, that gets into one of my absolute favorite things about the movie that I was bowled over is probably too strong, but so impressed oh my by God. was what? I'm wondering if we're going to say the same thing right now. Go ahead. Oh, we're definitely not. Say it the same <laughs> time. Say it the same <laughs> okay. time. Ready? One, two, three. The fact that Tom Holland's character really tried to cure everybody. Oh, Pete, I thought we were oh, talking about okay. the same time. Okay. Okay. What were you going to say, Pete? It's for some no, ice no, cream I, or car You were or talking like about that. something you loved, and I was going to – I was talking – I figured it would be something that I hated, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just – the idea that they kept drilling in on and – it's not exactly this, but like I kept thinking about, oh, he's whether you want to use a phrase with the comics like ultimate Spider-Man or superior Spider-Man or something like that. He's the Spider-Man that's really versus Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man who's stuck in being like, I'm Peter Parker and I have angst. And same thing with Andrew Garfield, but even more so, this is showing a different way. And I thought that was so wonderful and true to a different side of Spider-Man that we never really get to see the scientist version of Spider-Man, the one who comes up with creative solutions to stuff. Um, uh, that, of course, ties into what Aunt May is telling him the entire movie and the lesson, obviously, of every Spider-Man movie. But I thought that was such a smart pleasing thing to watch. Yeah. And I really love the way kind of like Aunt May hammered that home of where he's like, you know, this is my problem. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And like, I, I, it's kind of this thing of like, you know, you know, Peter Parker can't do everything, but he should try to do the right thing. So yeah, I really love this kind of this hero's journey of like, what's the right thing to do here and what's not. And uh, it was, it was really cool to kind of see him try to do. And even though they're the bad guys and we've seen them kill uh, our heroes or loved ones or whatever, like the fact that he's still willing to kind of go through that instead of just send them back to their thing was, was a really cool kind of thing to struggle with. Um, the part that I thought you were going to talk about um, that that you loved uh, uh, before we moved on and uh, a part that really threw me out of the movie and then we never addressed it ever again and I'm still very skeeved out by it is the fucking doll. Can we talk about that doll for a little bit? That creepy doll in the basement whose head moved for no reason? Oh, and, and Dr. Strange's basement? Dr. Strange's doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, where there was, okay, fridge full of, like, things in jars. Okay, creepy, Doctor Strange, perfect, right? Go, like, cool. But yeah. that doll. Oh. I, I, it's funny you mention that because, uh, you know, earlier I was saying there were only a couple of things. There were two, only two moments that my theater reacted to, and one of them was when Dumb E showed up, the robot head. The other half of the audience that I was seeing with was all creepy dolls, and they <laughs> lost their Living minds. dolls. Lost their minds. All Annabelles, top to bottom. The robot doll screening will what? start in 10 minutes. That was the creepiest thing that could have ever been on screen. And the fact that the head moved and then everybody was going about their business. I kept waiting for the doll to attack. And so start- wait, let me just ask you, Pete, 
when before when Alex was like, I want to talk about this thing I like, you were like, oh, I wonder if we have the same, we're going to say the same thing. <laughs> and you thought he was going to say yeah. the doll moved its head in that one scene that yeah. no one noticed. It had nothing to do with anything that was happening. What do you mean? What do you mean no one noticed? That thing was the creepiest fucking moment. Like, all of a sudden, it's a horror movie. Out of nowhere, it turns into a horror movie for like 0.2 seconds. I I feel like most people I meet in my life, I'm like, I see what you mean with most things they do. Pete Page, I don't get you sometimes. And this was definitely a case of that. So I love the curing thing. I thought that was great. Uh, I it reminded loved... me. Sorry, didn't, yeah, before you move on, it reminded me a lot of Dan Slott's uh, arc where Spidey was like, "Slot no got a shout out." Yep, no one's gonna die, and yeah, there's no a big dies. Spider-Man. No one dies. Uh, there's a big. Um, uh, that's a big part of his run on Spider-Man, and I think that was really sort of the sentiment of Tom Holland throughout this movie with his Spider-Man, and the other two Spideys sort of adopt it when they show up. Yeah, that's what I really liked about it is not only did you have it there, but like you're saying later on when you have these other two Spideys, they realize, oh, he's doing better than us. Like, we yeah. are very damaged. We did it exactly, do it in the right way. We lost more at the end of our movie, each of our movies that we had at the beginning. And granted, Pete, like you're pointing out, Tom Holland, Peter Parker does lose a lot at the end of this movie. But at the point Howard. when they meet him, he's at his lowest point, but he has the opportunity to be better and do better. And I thought that was a really wonderful thing. It also ultimately points to why he is the leader of the spider squad there, because he's able to figure it out and he has different, more positive experiences than these other two, uh, not least of which is actually having science experience. There's also the Avengers, like he points out. But I think the biggest thing, and this is very much jumping ahead, but the biggest thing that I thought I took away from that sequence is he also has the support of his friends, yeah. which Andrew Garfield and which he totally wired. Well, they don't about. have like they have friends, but there's these very fraught relationships um, in all of those movies. He has MJ. He has Ned in particular. Had. Throughout, throughout had. Has well, at here, that point, and I and think that it's makes interesting him stronger. That, and he ends the movie not having them very yeah. uh, particularly. He is in, like in the same position as nope in the same position as the other Spideys at the end of this movie. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I went in thinking like I'm not. You know, everybody's like, "Oh my god, there's going to be the Spider Verse and all the different Spider Man." I was like, I don't want to see the other Spider. When they showed up and the interaction and like seeing them like working together was so much fun. And I really didn't think I was going to like it, but man, it almost made me want to go back and watch the other movies. Uh, it was so enjoyable. I mean, the Tobey Maguire movies are two thirds good. <laughs> the, <laughs> they are. Wow. I, I mean, the first ones, I, again, I did get to the Andrew Garfield movies, but the first Tobey Maguire movie much better than I had even remembered it was. It's really holds up. Second one, great. One of like the gold standard other than into the Spider-Verse, probably for Spider-Man movies. The third movie, the Venom stuff is absolute garbage, like horrible, horrendous. They didn't want to do it. Awkward. But there's uh, some good movie in there. And you can see like, particularly the Sandman stuff and the Harry Osborne stuff, if they had been able to just concentrate on that, maybe it would have been a much better movie, but it wasn't. The big thing, though, since we're getting, now getting into the two other Spider-Men showing up, is I was really impressed throughout this movie. It felt like it was justice for Andrew Garfield in particular, because yeah. I, 
he was a good Spider-Man and a good Agreed. Peter Parker in two terrible movies. And that he finally got to be in a good movie, finally got to be Andrew Garfield, funny, charming, oh. a good Spider-Man. So good. That made me so happy. Uh, yeah. That entire end of the movie. It was great. It was cool to see the suits all next to each other, too. Mm -hmm. Like, when they were posing on the top, holy shit, it gets you in the feels. I mean, just talking about the suits, and then, sorry, Joe, go ahead, Justin. Uh, When when Ned first opens the portal, and I think we all knew there's been leaks on the internet and rumors forever that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were getting the movie. So certainly, I think we all kind of knew, even if we were only, you know, at... 80% 80% or 90% believing it. But when you see him far away and it's him and it's like clearly taller, lankier yeah, Spider-Man, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. This is great. And as the suit came forward, like you're saying, Pete, you can tell you're like, that's a different suit and it shouldn't matter, but it's very exciting and fun when you see it. Yeah, and the fact 100%. that he, he wasn't—he was wearing it underneath for the other one, where he just looked like a random guy coming through the portal. Like, hey, uh, just really smart choices with that, and so fun. And also, like Ned having a little bit of like some magic in him, and being able to kind of like—I'm—I'm I'm excited for Ned moving forward. Uh, you know, hopefully he's got uh, a little bit more magic uh, and stuff that he can do. It's you mean pretty when cool. He goes, when he goes to MIT and that's all we ever hear from him again? No, go fuck yourself. I'm talking the, about when he was uh, opening sorry, that's portals. the Magic Institute of Technology, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. where you went. Yeah. Uh, Hogwarts East Coast branch. Uh, the, um, what I was going to say is the moment where he catches MJ is, oh. like, like I said, I cried there. Like, and I think paying off, the way, way they were able to pay off that Spider-Man's, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's arc there was great. Tobey Maguire, I thought, I mean, he's obviously looks so much older. And the whole he, back joke thing was hilarious. A lot of great jokes throughout for all of them. But the moment where he, since Green Goblin is his villain, and he gets to step in and stop um, Tom Holland from killing killing him and be like, you don't do this. And he did the thing that he always does, Tobey Maguire, when he's being Spider-Man, he's sort of like, <laughs> like he's always like just just barely holding on to stuff. Great. It really highlighted so much of the good in all of the different mm-hmm. Spider-Man. The two things with Tobey Maguire, I totally agree with you with that acting choice. The other one that I was like, yes, that is Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, is when they're all going around and doing the with great power comes great responsibility, and they have a close-up of Tobey Maguire. He just has those enormous red-rimmed eyes that are just, yeah. he's not crying, but they're like filmed over with tears. And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, there he oh, is. Great. There he is. I did feel like... It was, and you were sort of getting towards this, Justin, a little less on Tobey Maguire. It was. Which, which is fine. It's okay. Um, I don't know what they necessarily needed to do more to give him the same emotional payoff. Um, like, I, I interpreted, when they're talking about their girlfriends in the lab, I interpreted, we leave... Uh, MJ and Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3, they've had this whole big fight caused by the Venom symbiote and um, kissing Gwen and a bunch of other things where they're just sort of dancing and hugging and nothing is said. And it's a very weird moment to end the movie. But I, my interpretation of what he's talking about is that beyond that, they kind of made up and they've still had he some said, hard times, but they're moving forward, right? They yeah. say they started they're a family. together, right? Oh, does he say they started a family? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Are you sure about that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't remember that, but uh, I believe you, Pete. And I, I do think they're, no matter what, I think they are together. And I think 
I think that part, it feels like, you know, we're meant to think at least that, that wherever those Spideys are when the, their movies end continues on and their mm-hmm. lives are sort of, it's not all gone to hell <laughs> like uh, Tom Well, Holland's. except with uh, Andrew Garfield, it has because he talks yeah, about he after went, He Gwen got died. dark. He got, yeah, yeah. He became rage Spider-Man. So yeah, yeah. regardless, though, we do get that emotional payoff for him, which is really nice. Uh, him doing, like we mentioned earlier, the conversation with Max, I thought was really good, even though that's a terrible plot point that I keep making fun of. Uh, it was nice to emotionally pay that off. And like you're saying, Tobey Maguire, both with Flint Marco and also with Green Goblin, just having little moments there. Every, everybody got their own things. It was very nice. He even got a moment with Doc Ock that was very cool. Yeah. Here. Now that Doc Ock has his brain back at the end of the movie, them reconnecting, I thought that was really sweet as well. Yeah. yeah. And what did you think, though, about the overall final set piece? So after they come up with the cures, they go to the Statue of Liberty. They're way, they lure all the villains there, working with J. Job and Jameson, working with quote unquote, uh, and they get them there. Uh, and we just have this whole enormous set piece. How'd you feel about that as the end of the movie? I mean, they're fighting on the shield at the end there. I mean, that's very kind of like, you know, you know, because when you think about it, like Spider-Man, you know, he took the shield. He, you know, he was like in the Avengers movie flying around with the shield. There was a lot of shield talk. And there there was also that moment in, uh, uh, God, what, and, you know, Winter Soldier, you know, Captain America, where like U.S. agent killed somebody with a shield, and that kind of almost happened, where Spider Man almost killed somebody on a shield. So, like, you know, <laughs> pretty heavy on shield stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> you know, what would have been really cool is if a giant U.S. agent came in and grabbed that giant shield and tried to do it. To yeah, yeah, it was like, hey, give and me then a second. bigger guy comes in with an even bigger shield. Well, oh, yeah, the Eternals part, you know, hand reaches mm-hmm. in, grabs oh, yeah. the shield, you know, that kind so of So you're thing. saying you didn't like that it ended up with that they were fighting on the shield? I'm just saying it's it's a lot of shield. There's a lot of shield stuff going oh, on. Oh, did you shout in the movie theater? We've seen this before. I'm over shielded is, I think, what I yelled in the theater. <laughs> Once again, did not see that coming as a complaint about the <laughs> Spider-Man movie. I My favorite part of the finales were really the one-on-ones more than the fights themselves, because it felt like a lot of Spider-Mans jumping around in a lot of different places and, frankly, was a little hard to keep track of. It was it chaotic. Was, it was chaotic, exactly. It was great. Uh, that's uh, the opposite of what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was uh, confusing and chaotic, and the fact that it was like it was just at its core the premise of it. Like, okay, we have these four cures. We've set them up in different places. We're gonna fight them. And we're gonna fight them separately. Then we're gonna work together. It was just like it was hard to keep it all in your head, and the camera was moving so much, it was hard to see where anyone was going and why. You couldn't tell, was that the right move or the wrong move? Until finally it was like, oh, it was right, I guess, because they got him. Yeah, and it was in direct contrast to the stuff that came before it or even the middle of it when they took that little break to all chat about working together as a team, which were maybe the best parts of the movie, honestly. Like, just the three of them hanging out, talking about Toby's organic web shooters and being very calm and respectful of it. So funny. So so funny. funny. And And the Oh, God. Even if you're not a huge comic fan, but just if you've seen all the movies and you're like, that is weird. And then the fact yeah. that they call it out and are like, whoa, like they're, they seem like impressed and then also like schemed out. Yeah. Like one yeah. was like, get that whip off me. You know, like, yeah, that was inside of him. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, yeah. Really good. Uh, I felt like there was one other thing that we probably should have talked about that happened before that. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we Ant- haven't talked about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Ant May die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let me say also when that happened, I was like, oh, they're going to reverse this over the course of the movie. I thought there was going to be some sort of multiversal way they mm. not have her not die. So when it was happening, I was like, I don't think they're going to let this stand. And so I feel like I was sort of emotionally uninvested in it. But mm-hmm. when I realized, like, oh, it is what's happening, I was like, oh, I. I, bo- I botched caring about well, that. Well, <laughs> I sort of botched it as well because – and I think this comes from just overwatching these movies and over knowledge of continuity. But I think there was this assumption, at least that I had, and I've certainly seen other people have had this assumption as well, that Uncle Ben just preexisted this franchise. He yeah. already died. Yeah. He already I, said I the phrase. I was like, wait, why is she – like, didn't Uncle Ben that? And then I was like, wait, is Uncle Ben not in this universe? In this. And he's not. They've never mentioned him. There's no pictures yeah. of him or anything like that. I think we just all assumed for three plus yeah. movies and we were wrong. So same as you, Justin. I was like, why are we doing this? What's happening? <laughs> what? well, and then when she said, with great power comes great responsibility, I was like, she's stealing her, uh, her husband's line? She's saying the same line? I was like, oh, right. He doesn't really exist here. It was it was just a little bit of a... It was a lot. I was kind yeah. of like... Yeah, and I wait. don't... It's it's an interesting thing because I don't think it's necessarily on the movie. Like, I think they did the right thing there. It's yeah. more on us as audience members being trained to think a certain way and having to untrain yes. that. Because it does have, then have that payoff with the three Spider-Mans talking about it. Yeah, that also was cool. Also, just side little note, in the middle of that, what I was so excited about uh, was her saying the line correctly for the first time in movie yeah. history. Yeah. Saying, with great power, there must also come great responsibility, which has become Smoke. bastardized to, with great power comes great responsibility. And just on a very nerdy level, I was like, oh, that's really nice that they did yeah. that. Well, the lesson makes way more sense when you say it that way. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the way they've bastardized, like you said, is sort of like, once you get power, you get responsibility, it just comes to you. And it's like, oh, what? Okay. <laughs> and it's just like, you actually have to work for it is the idea. It'd be, but it would be like, this moment, I feel like it'd be like if in the next Batman movie, they were like, yeah, and then uh, Martha clearly sits over there in the Batcave, and she's just alive and cool. <laughs> well, it was also <laughs> weird because it's like... I'm dating the- Alfred now, she said. <laughs> we had the other characters say, go get him, Tiger, and then we had Aunt May do the, respon- the responsibility line. So it was kind of like... The thing that like that almost in a weird way frames it as is that uh, Tom Holland's MCU Spider-Man is the alternate universe Spider-Man. Like right. you have these almost main yeah. continuity Spider-Mans with Tobey Maguire and maybe even Andrew Garfield. And then Tom Holland's the other one, which but I, is interesting. Isn't that the point? That's yeah. sort of the point of the movie totally. in, in a way. And the, I just, the future I movies. can't. I can't believe you're going to kill off Marissa Tomei, though. I mean, come on. It's Marissa no, Tomei. No, the actress lived. She didn't. That wasn't like her dying. It was just the character. Yeah, she was I'm very aware. badly injured, but she didn't die. <laughs> Just like Tobey Maguire who gets stabbed by the go- goblin glider and he's like, Oof, I'm dead. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm dead stabbed many times. Yeah, I was like, oh, weird. Was there a point yeah, while that we're, was we're mentioning that? Was there a point where they were going to kill off Tobey Maguire and they just decided, yeah, it's too sad. Yeah. Well, but, gonna... Yes, but also it would have been weird. It's like, oh, this body's just here. And then the, the, bo- the dead body goes back to where it's <laughs> universe. <laughs> Just like, a quick so shot of Kirsten Dunst being like, <laughs> but it was <laughs> also. <laughs> but it's a weird thing to ha- say to somebody like, "Oh, I'm stabbed. Oh, you you need help? No, 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 no. I get stabbed a lot, so it's cool. That doesn't make sense." No, I say that all the time. That was I definitely a reshoot. It's fine. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't need to see Tobey Maguire die or anything like that. Me neither. It's okay. Not necessary. It's all right. If I had to choose though between Marissa Tomei and Tobey Maguire, bye, Tobes. 
Well, I think there were a lot of things like that in the movie where maybe bigger questions about things and how they worked, like not yes. mentioning at any point why three Spider-Mans look entirely different. That's one thing. Uh, also, how the spell works in general, because Peter Parker seems to be able to get food in apartments, but also is erased. Are there people at his school who are like, who are these transcripts for? Uh, all of these questions that I have that ultimately, I think, come down to, would they be fun to explain right now? And the answer is, no, the so don't waste no. time with them. Exactly. And it's also a magic spell, which I think it's not like science did it. Like you could imagine mm-hmm. the magic spell fixing those problems because the whole point of the spell is to make Peter forgotten. Also, so I think that's a, f- a good way to just buy into it without. Um, also, well, and, and they can save just real quick, just they can save that explanation for the next movie. Like if that is something that is yeah. going to affect him, and I think it could in a big way, in a really interesting way, you explore what that means and how he has to deal with that and how he's like, I'm trying to get a job. There's no record of you whatsoever. I hope they don't do that. It's kind of like <laughs> your girlfriend wearing a necklace the whole movie and then you never, you know, uh, talk about it or bring it up or point it out or just like, hey, like, yeah, is it fun to like talk about murders. it? And the answer is no. I'm glad we're on the same page, Pete. What were you going to say? Let me just say real quick, though. Um, I thought Zendaya was also great. I thought their romance was really great throughout the movie. Yeah. And especially heartbreaking at the end when he chooses not. He their, their Their goodbye scene I thought was great and just so sad. And then when he chooses not to sort of say his prepared line, it was great. It was just heart wrenching. Oh, you, you thought it was cool how you chickened out it then? It you thought that heart- was great? That's what you thought? Out. He did the most Spider-Man thing that he could do in that moment. And no, the movie how was dare called, you? The movie wasn't called Romancing, Romance in a Donut Shop. The movie is called Spider-Man No Way Home. Go MJ's is home. He doesn't get to go home. Speaking of which, have you seen Romance in a Donut Shop? Because it's <laughs> not good. No, it's everyone's so like a little too much sugar. Black. Nothing wrong with sugar. Romancing over breakfast. I'm sure there's a bunch of other things to talk about in little moments, but why don't we jump ahead and talk about these post credit sequences? Uh, the first one ties up the very weird end credit sequence from Venom Let Them Be Carnage. If you didn't see Venom Let Them Be Carnage, this is particularly. I didn't spoil nonsense. it. Hold on a second. I... Spoilers Are you going to spoil Venom? Venom. Yes. Yeah, you can spoil the post-credit sequence. Oh, come on. So just to talk through it in case you didn't see it, and I'll try to do this as quickly as possible. The Venom Let There Be Carnage post-credit sequence, Venom and Eddie are hanging out on a hotel bed watching some crappy TV. And the Venom symbiote is like uh, telling Eddie that he has knowledge of, of from the hive mind. They can see anything in the multiverse um, and asks him, would you like to see... A, just a fraction of what we know, because if I showed you everything, it would melt your brain. And he says, yeah, sure. So you have this expectation. It's not your message. You're like, here we go. We're going to see something really weird. But that's not what happens. Instead, the hotel room changes, and suddenly Venom and Eddie are in a different hotel room. Venom says, that wasn't me. I didn't do that, Eddie. And you see footage on the TV of Tom Holland's Spider-Man being revealed by Jane, J- Jonah Jameson at the end of Far From Home. The Venom symbiote licks the TV, says, that guy. And then somebody else comes in and says, this is my hotel room. And he's like, all right. And he le- it's very weird, very awkward, a lot of nonsense. We finally kind of explained it here where he was brought in by the spell that Dr. Strange cast, except unlike everybody else who went to New York, was already in New York. 
he was blipped back in Mexico and just didn't make it to New York before they got blipped back, which I liked right. as a little idea of like, oh, there was a Sinister Six. The sixth member was Venom. He was too drunk to go, which is pretty yep. consistent to the movies. But my big takeaway, and we see the he gets blipped back. There's a little bit of Simi left over. That's the sort of big moment at the end of this. See, we're good, Pete. Um, and... I, was Just this real quick, a joke? Pete, I want to mention, you know, a big spoiler for Venom Let There Be Carter's post-credit <laughs> sequence. Put your headphones back on. He, he's not spoiling <laughs> he's anymore. Not. He, look, uh, so, I'll just say, because he's not going to listen, a big spoiler is the end credit sequence in Spider-Man No Way Home. Anyway. But, but let, let me say that there's a bit of symbiote left behind. Was this all a bit, a joke? Or is there, are there going to be ramifications for that bit of symbiote left behind? And I think, Venom in general. Here, here's I think how I so. took it. I think it gives them options is what it does, right? Yeah. Like Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy is back in Sony's Venomverse, which includes Venom, Morbius. They're working on a Craven the Hunter movie, all of these other things. They could use Tom Holland. They could use Andrew Garfield at this point or Tobey Maguire or whatever they want to do. Like the world is open for Sony. It is their oyster. But at the same time, in terms of the MCU, having that symbiote there that allows them to do a symbiote saga thing for Tom Holland, right? If they want to do that in the next movie, it allows them to have somebody else be Venom. It allows them to bring Tom Hardy in an alternate universe version of him and just have him be Venom in a bunch of movies and for it to make sense there. They could bring back Topher Grace, whatever they want to do. Anything is possible. Definitely. Yeah, definitely the latter. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 let, the Doctor Strange sequence. Yes, let's talk about that. So then we get a big uh, trailer, teaser trailer for Doctor Strange 2. Like you were saying earlier, this ties into WandaVision. We find out what's going on with Wanda. We had speculated that she was probably the vision, villain of the movie. I'm not totally convinced of that anymore. Uh, and then we also get what looks like Strange Supreme, the bad Stephen Strange from What yeah. If. What was your big takeaways here? I, it was, I was surprised it was a trailer. It was like a full-on trailer, A, um, which was cool, but also it was like, oh, it's not going to be the same energy of a post-credit sequence. The reveal of Strange Supreme I thought was great and a much more exciting villain than Wanda Maximoff. And the idea of Doctor Strange and Wanda teaming up is is great. I think. Yeah, very cool. I definitely like that. And yeah, I wasn't mad at the fact that we got a lot of, a lot of extra stuff afterwards. Uh, yeah, get, give me a trailer at the end. I don't care. Awesome. A uh, couple of very quick Easter eggs, and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, so there was some graffiti throughout the movie. There was Ditko for Steve Ditko. There yeah. was G. Kane for Gil Kane, two famous Spider-Man artists. Slot. The uh, license plate on the car that the college admissions you, officer you guys was in. saw where it was written slot on the wall, right? Was it? Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, 63 ASM 3, which is Amazing Spider-Man 3 from 1963, which is the first appearance of Doc Ock, and then Doc Ock shows up right after that. Uh, also, Peter, I think, is wearing the same suit Tobey Maguire did in Spider-Man 3 when he goes to talk to the admissions officer, which is pretty Fun. cute. Uh, we didn't mention this. I think everybody picked up on it, but Electra's electricity looks like his classic costume from the yeah, comics. Yeah, it got like a little face. Also, another thing that was very fun, this doesn't happen in the movie, but Ned Leeds in the comics becomes the Hobgoblin, stealing the Goblin Glider. There was honestly a part with like he got close to it and I thought he was going to hop onto it. But they did have conversations about, oh, am I going to become a villain? And he uh, tells Peter, no, I'll never do that. Never uh, do we that got the to Toby back good. jokes. People are probably familiar with this as well. But just real quick, while he was doing Seabiscuit, 
Tobey Maguire hurt his back and they didn't think he was going to be able to do Spider-Man 2. Uh, he was able to do it, but the other option was Jake Gyllenhaal, who became Mysterio in uh, Far From Home. So that was fun. They had back jokes in Spider-Man 2. The back jokes are back. Um, Spider, <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed any other. The only ones that I was able to catch when the cracks were opening the multiverse, I definitely saw the classic Scorpion. Also yeah. classic Rhino, not Paul Giamatti type, was there. Uh, did you guys see anybody else in the cracks? Or there was like uh, uh, looked like a uh, kind of like a, a spear or something that looked like uh, Craven the Hunter or something. A man like that. holding a scepter, yeah, or something. I, I wonder if yeah. it's Craven. I, I was trying to think who else it could be because I feel like they were maybe that was more forward casting into what mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. Uh, stuff we may see in the upcoming MCU. But I don't know who exactly it could be. Maybe Adam Warlock, famous for having a scepter. Sometimes, yeah, I don't know why he would come through for Peter Parker necessarily, but I guess but it's possible. I, I, I felt that I thought that. That was just cracks. I don't know if maybe they were coming. No, no, no. Peter. It was supposed to be anybody who knew that no Peter Parker Peter. was going to come yeah. through. I, uh, I get all that, but I just felt like if I'm at Marvel, I'm looking forward into sure. other movies as opposed to being like, here's more of that plot you heard earlier. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of classic comic book characters, Spider Man is wearing his classic costume, I think for the first time ever, maybe the, the classic blue and red yeah, at the end of the, the end. movie, which is very yeah. exciting and very fun as he uh, swings over Rockefeller Center, where may or may not swing over the Hawkeye finale i guess we'll have to see pete uh also feast is the place that aunt may is working that's directly from dan slot's run on the comics uh where she also works there there's no oscorp in the mcu which was kind of interesting this is sort of a non-easter egg but originally the oscorp building was supposed to be in avengers but they couldn't work out the deal with sony so they took it out uh it was in there and they actually took it out digitally um so Maybe a little joke on that. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, the last one that I'll mention that I thought was really fun, Flash Thompson's book is called Flashpoint, yes. which I thought was not negative, but like a little dig at the fact that they're no, doing no. all this. Hold on. Th- they're doing all this multiverse stuff when DC has been working on a Flash Flashpoint movie for almost a decade at this point and haven't yeah. actually gotten it off the floor. They got there first. So they uh, got to write the book about it. I think it yeah. was a uh, like flashpoint. There's many flashes in Spider-Man. We're going to get many Spider-Men. So this is kind of like Spider-Man's flashpoint. I thought it was just kind of a, yes, yeah, we're saying right. the same thing. We're saying, right, the yeah, same but thing. you're, you were kind of like you being like, it was more of a, a fuck you DC. I, I thought it was uh, more like, I always say with great Easter eggs, there must also come great poop eggs. Well, the other thing I just wanted to say was I really love the cloak stuff. Um, you know, like a net in the cloak and Spider-Man in the cloak. Just like uh, just really cool. Anytime we got like uh, cloak action. So, uh, you know, that's, a, just... that's a great note to leave things on, Pete. Thank you for bringing up the cloak. Yeah. And folks, if you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. We'd love to talk to you about cloaks or literally anything else. Probably I... cloaks. Mostly cloaks. Yeah, mostly cloaks. <laughs> takeaway. That's the takeaway. <laughs> I choose Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Also at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. 